0: Thanks, Mike. If you want to make sure somebody is right with God, get them up at about 14,000 feet. And just when you are at the edge of that plane, you have asked for forgiveness of all your sins, known or unknown. (laughs) Good morning. I enjoyed that praise and worship. Wasn't that good? I really enjoyed that this morning. You know, you need to understand you're blessed. I get a chance to be in a lot of churches and, and pastor, I'll share with you that there's no better than what I just heard. And so you need to, you need to understand that. That's a real blessing because it leads us into worship, spending time with God. I don't want to spend a lot of time with preliminaries because I want to get into the word. You love the word? I do want to thank God though and Mike Saints for getting me to the ground safely and I walked away. All right. I did call my insurance company on Thursday, Pastor. I didn't tell you this. And I assured my wife that she was going to be okay because it covered skydiving. (laughs) If I was going to find out how much a pig cost, I suppose, Pastor, I could probably go out into the rural areas of South Georgia. And I could probably find somebody who's selling pigs. Matter of fact, where I grew up, I grew up out in the country and there was a farm report on the radio every day. It'd tell you how much pigs were going per pound. On the other hand, if I asked you what was the price of a human being, what would be your response? Human beings are priceless. Would you say that? So my my way of thinking is that if I have something over here that I can put a price on, and something over here that is priceless, I would always choose the priceless over that which I can put a price on. Does that make sense? So the title of the message today is, let's back it up, Your Choice, Pigs or People. We're going to take a look at a scripture. At the end of the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, there's a story about Jesus and the disciples crossing the sea to go to the other side to minister, and a great storm came up. Matter of fact, the Bible says the disciples thought they were going to die. I know that feeling just recently. <laughs> and so what happened is Jesus, with his words, calmed the wind and the waves and the storm. Aren't you glad we have a Jesus that by his words can calm the wind and the waves and the storm? Amen. Then he got to the land of Decapolis on the other side. It was the land of the Gadareans. And there was a man there who was having a different kind of storm in his life. And this man was demon-possessed. We call him the Gadarene demoniac. Now let me share with you what I think. I think the Bible, when it says something, you can believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is true. Do you believe that? You see, the Bible says he was demon-possessed. It doesn't say he was having a bad day. It doesn't say he he was having a psychological moment. It says he was demon-possessed, so I believe he was demon-possessed. Let me tell you how miserable this man's life was. His life was so miserable, the Bible says that he would run around a lot of times naked. He would cut himself. He was so miserable. The Bible says they tried to chain him in town there, the land of Decapolis, but he would break the chains because of the strength of the demon-possession. And then finally, they had him go live out amongst the tombs, live in the cemetery, no human contact. That that had to be the worst part. Think about it. Day after day, no human contact. Nobody wanted to talk to you. Nobody wanted to be around you, just by yourself in the cemetery. You know, the demon possession might have been able to break the chains that were physical, but do you know there are some chains that are upon us, that surround us, in the case of this man, demon possession, that it takes Jesus to break? That's what we just heard in the song, Break Every Chain. And so this man had a possession that chained him that could not be broken by himself. And then Jesus came to town. And when Jesus came to town, he had compassion upon this man. And the Bible says he was about to cast the demons out of this man, and the demons spoke to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't send us from this place. Please just cast us into this nearby herd of pigs. And Jesus did as the demons asked. He cast the demons out of the man into the pigs, and the pigs, maddened by the possession, ran down the hillside and drowned themselves in the sea. Now, I want want you to get that picture, 2,000 dead pigs floating in the water. Amazing. And so the people from town came out to see what was going on, and when they got there, they saw the man they all knew, the man they had relegated to the cemetery to live, The man that had been cutting himself, the man that was demon-possessed, they now saw him, the Bible says, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And it says in the Bible that the people asked Jesus to leave. You see, Jesus won't stay where he's not wanted. And so he started to leave with his disciples. And just at that time, the man that had been demon-possessed, the man now that had been delivered, came to Jesus and said, Jesus, please, I want to go with you. Of course he wanted to go with Jesus. And here's what the Bible says at the chapter 5 in the book of Mark. Jesus says, no, you can't go with me. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And the Bible says, all marveled. What an amazing Bible story. What an amazing account. I remember the first time I read that, Pastor, I had questions in my mind. I don't don't know how you are, but every time I read something in the Bible, I always have questions I'm asking myself. And so I'll tell you the first question. Did did you have questions as you heard that story? Uh, Here's the question that first popped into my mind is, why did Jesus cast the demons into the pigs? Was that in your mind? Well, if it wasn't, it's there now. (laughs) And that's the question I had. And so I want to tell you a story about a group of people that heard this account I just shared with you for the first time and how they got their questions answered. The land of Africa is a country by the name of Ghana. And Ghana are a people by the name of the Kenkomba tribe. The Kinkomba tribe is known for being a very violent, a very warring group of people, and they never heard about Jesus. They were animists and they were Muslims. Now, we all know from the news what a Muslim is, but let me explain to you what an animist is. An animist is a person that sees a Power, or a, a, uh, I guess that's the best way to say, to see a power in everything. They see a spirit in the power, or a spirit in the trees. They see a spirit in the rock. That's an animus. They see spirits in things. And so then, let me tell you what happened. There's an organization called the American Bible Society. Have you ever heard about the American Bible Society? Been around for 200 years. They distribute so many Bibles around the world, they don't even measure them in number, number. They measure them by tons of Bibles. And recently, because, let me tell you an interesting statistic, 60% 60 of the world cannot read. Amazing, 60% of the world cannot read, so what good is it to do to put something in somebody's hand if they can't read it? So they've started distributing the Bible by technology. MP3 players, for example, CDs, DVDs. And a thing they've developed, if you go to the next slide, is called the transformer. It's called a proclaimer, excuse me, wrong word. It's called a proclaimer. And the proclaimer looks like a radio but you'll see on top it has a solar panel because it goes to villages around the world that don't have electric. You can't see it, but on the other end is a handle. If there's not enough sun to charge a battery, you can crank the handle to charge the battery. And They send teams of three people in partnership with the organization called Faith Comes By Hearing. They send teams of three people throughout the villages of the world. They learn the language. They come back to the United States and they put the good news of Jesus Christ in the language of the people on a computer chip, and that is sent back to the village so they can hear about Jesus long after they're gone. Yeah. Amen. Isn't that great? I felt the Holy Ghost. And so I want to tell you, the Transformer, I keep on calling it Transformer because it transforms lives. That's why I think of that. About it's called the Proclaimer. I think so they should call it the Transformer. <laughs> they send the Proclaimer to the Kinkomba people. And all of a sudden, hundreds of the Kinkomba accepted Jesus Christ. You know why? Because the Bible works. Because the Scripture has impact. When people hear the word, it changes their lives. And so, the people that became Christians they wanted a place to worship. So, at the center of town, they built a little building that they could worship together. Not a nice facility like this with air conditioning and nice lighting and nice walls and great seats, but a building made of thatch, a building made of mud. Holes in the walls where windows should be, and there's just a hole there. A door with no doorway with no door on it, so people could come together. They would come together a couple times during the week to hear the next Bible story the, on the Proclaimer. The animists and the Muslims, they won't come into the church because they're afraid of those Christians. But guess what they'll do? They'll sit around outside the building, outside the windows, outside the doors, so they can hear the next Bible account. And you know what happens, don't you? Before too long, they're coming inside because they become followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell you about the night that they heard the story that I just told you. And let me share with you, this is not just an account that I read somewhere. You know, sometimes we, when we preach, we find illustrations or stories that we've read. I've heard this account from a man who was in the room that night. And so when I heard this story, I said, oh, I've got to share this because this is a good story that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the people in that room, they're actually sitting on the floor, about 200 of them, because they don't even have chairs. In the middle of the room, there is a chair, and on the chair is the proclaimer. The story here is what I just shared with you, and they turn it off, and there's a tradition in the Kikomba tribe that after the story plays, that they then get to ask the elders questions about what they just heard. And so the first person stands up and says, I have a question. My question is this. Why did Jesus cast the demons into the pigs? The question that I had, the question that's now in your mind. And so the three wise elders put their heads together and they discussed it. You can see them discussing back and forth for quite a few moments. And then one of them stood up and said, that's a very good question because that's the question that was in our mind. But as we've talked about it, as we've looked in the Bible, the Bible just doesn't tell us why Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. We don't know. But the next time we're at a village not far from here, they've known Jesus longer than we have, and maybe they know the answer, and maybe someday we can tell you, but right now we don't know. And so then another person stood up, and this person said, here's my question. Did Jesus know before he cast the demons into the pigs that the pigs would run down the hillside and drown themselves? And so the elders, one more time, they put their heads together, they discussed the question. Didn't take long that time. One of them stood up and said, We believe that Jesus did know before he cast the demons into the pigs that the pigs would run down the hillside and drown themselves because Jesus knows everything. Now the Kinkomba, they don't say amen when they agree with the speaker. Now I like to hear amen, but guess what they like to do? When they hear something the speaker says, they go, oh, (laughs) now there's nothing wrong with amen, but I'm going to tell you something, feels real good. Try it. See, didn't that feel good? I I mean, like I said, amen's good. It works. But there's just something that really feels good about going, oh, Uh pastor, we and me have just have started a new tradition in this church. If you're preaching next week and you hear some, oh, you know what happened. Your visitors won't know what's going on, but you'll know what happened. (laughs) And so when the person said, Jesus knows everything, the people in the room went, uh. Then a person stood up in the back of the room. Because it was getting kind of dark, it was hard to see who he was. But then when he spoke up, everybody knew who he was because it was the voice of the richest man in the village. And you see, the Kinkomba people, they don't measure how wealthy you are by money because they don't even use money. They measure how wealthy you are by how many chickens do you own, how many pigs do you own, how much cattle do you own. And this man had a lot of chickens, a lot of pigs, and quite a few cattle. He was the richest man in the village. So they always paid attention when he said something. So he said, here's my question. He said, 2,000 pigs, that's a lot of pigs. That could not be just one man's pigs. That had to be the pigs of that whole village that day. And historians will tell you that's right. Those 2,000 pigs on the hillside that day represented the wealth of that village. And he said, here's my question. Did Jesus reimburse the village for the dead pigs? (laughs) And the people in the room laughed just as you laughed. And the elders put their heads together one more time. And they discussed this for a good while. People in the room were talking. And finally, the wisest elder stood up. He said, uh, sir, I understand why you asked that question because you own many pigs. I understand why you asked that question, because that was a lot of wealth that was destroyed that day. He said, let me tell you something. We've looked at the Bible, and the Bible does not say that Jesus reimbursed the village for the dead pigs. We don't believe he did. But let me tell you that we don't think it's important. And when he said that, there was a gasp from the rich man. The rich man says, well, how can that not be important? The wealth of the village was destroyed that day. What do you mean it's not important? And there was a discussion that took place in the room. Everybody started talking and responding to, all, to what was going on. And the wise old elder raised his hands and said, wait a minute, I'm not finished. Let me tell you why it wasn't important whether Jesus reimbursed the village that day or not for the pigs. And when I answered that question, let me also share with you, we now can answer the first question that was asked tonight. Now we can tell you why Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. We've now figured it out. Well, it got real quiet in the room. Because not only did people want to know why it wasn't important, but they also wanted to know why did Jesus cast the demons into the pigs? Why a few moments ago could you not answer the question and now you can answer it? He said, let me answer the question. This is the best way I know how. You know the man in our village who is insane? Huh. And you know how he's not in his right mind? Huh. And you know how when he comes down the street we just kind of get out of his way? Huh. And you know how we don't even like to be around him? We don't even like to see him around? And isn't it true you've told your children to make sure that, you don't, that they don't go near him? And isn't it true you would rather see him die than one of your pigs die? He said what Jesus was trying to teach the people that day is that one person's soul, no matter how worthless you think it is, is worth more than the wealth of the entire village. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You see, I can get excited about that. I can get excited about the idea that when other people thought I was worthless, he thought I was priceless. When other folks thought I was useless, he thought I had great value. When other people thought I had little value, he thought I was great. When others left me, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. When others wanted nothing to do with me, he said, I will always be with you. When others said, don't bother me, he said, come and bother me. And when others gave up on you, he said, I will never give up on you. I have for you, plans to prosper you. And when you didn't feel loved, when nobody loved you, he said, I will always love you when you didn't even like yourself, his arms were open wide and it said, come to me. You that are heavy laden and burdened, come to me. So I can get excited about the, the idea that the God of the universe thinks I have value. Praise God. Yeah. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the most worthless person in this county, I'm talking about somebody who's dysfunctional, somebody who's disgusting, somebody who's worthless is more than, worth more than the wealth of the entire county. Do you believe that? I believe that. I'm so thankful that God believed that. I'm glad that Jesus believed that because that's why he left the shores of heaven and came here and died a death for you and for me because he considered me priceless. I praise God for that. The next part of this biblical account is very interesting because the people from town, they come out to see what's going on because they've heard about the dead pigs. When they come out, and I want you to get a picture of what they see. 2,000 dead pigs floating in the water and standing, so sitting at the feet of Jesus, a man clothed and in his right mind. Now, Pastor, I like to think if I was there that day, if I had come out of that village and seen this man that I knew, I knew what he'd gone through, I knew what he was like, I knew how miserable he was, I like to think that I'd have been rejoicing with him that day. I like to think that i had been celebrating that he'd been delivered. I like to think that I might even have said, Jesus... You need to come back in town, because there's a few people back there that aren't quite right yet. (laughs) But no, they didn't do that. The Bible says they asked Jesus to leave. You know why? The dead pigs were more important to them than that man. The dead pigs were not as important to them, excuse me, the, the man's life was not as important to them as the wealth they lost that day. So that's why they wanted Jesus to leave. Lord, help us. To understand the importance of people. That people are more important than things. The next part of the story... Now now let me ask this. I'm going to ask you a tough question. I know that you and I don't literally choose pigs over people. But are there some things in our life that we do choose over people? Did you know it's not always easy to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Sometimes our family members are the most difficult people to share with. But you know, there's people all around us that don't know Jesus. Some of them are disgusting and vile, but some are just good people. Some of them we might not want to be around, but some of them are around every day and they need to know Jesus. And so, what's our pigs that we're choosing? Is the pig of comfort? It's more comfortable not to have to share about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it the pig of convenience? It's just not convenient for me to spend that time. I don't have time to share the gospel with that server that's come to my table to serve me food. Is it maybe your wealth? Maybe it's money. You know, is it, is it, is it inconvenient, uncomfortable? Is it, is it, do I choose to spend my money on other things and not give to world missions? Did you know that in America, evangelicals will will spend as much money on their soft drinks this year as they spend on world missions? We're as passionate about our soft drinks as we are about souls around the world. We'll spend seven times the amount that we give to World Missions on restaurants. So we're seven times more passionate about getting to the restaurant today than we are about getting to souls. That hurts. Lord, help us to understand how important people are over things. What our pigs are, what we have to to go away from and go to. Forget the temporary and go to the eternal. You see, everything we have is temporary. It's going to be gone someday. The only thing you can take to heaven is souls. And so, Lord, help me to take souls to heaven with me. Do you feel that way, church? Yes. I believe if there's ever a church I've said this to, I believe it's this church because I know what you do in the community. Thank you. The next part of this biblical account is interesting because then Jesus is leaving because they tell him they want him to leave. And the man says, can I go with you? He says, no, I want you to go back to the town where you're from, and I want you to tell them about the power of God and how he's had compassion upon you. If you will put up the next slide. So really what I want us to understand today is we need to look at Jesus and look at people. People are more important than pigs. And the second thing is the way to win people to Jesus Christ is tell them about the power of God in your life and how he's had compassion on you. Before you do that, get some influence in that person's life. Become a friend. In that defining moment of their life, because you are a friend, they're going to come to you because they know you're a Christian. So that's what the man did. He went back to his town and did that. And the Bible says the people marveled because they knew what he was and they saw what he had become. I hope in your village, I hope where you live, people know what you've become. I hope they know you've become a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I like to tell you that I've always been good. I've always been good about preferring people over things. But I want to share with you a story about a time that I wasn't. I don't really want to tell you this story because it's it's really embarrassing. It's a story that I'm not happy about. It's a story that I really didn't want to share, but God wants me to share it with you so that you can learn from it. And so by learning from it, maybe that you'll prefer people more than pigs. Many years ago, when I got out of law school, It was time to study for the bar exam. You would think after three years of law school where they torture you, they just let you be an attorney, but they want to torture you for three more days in a thing called the bar exam. As a matter of fact, this exam is so tough, it's the toughest exam I ever had in my life. In those three days, I became convinced about the middle of the second day that Satan himself wrote the test. That's how hard it was. And so you can't fail this test or you can't practice law, so you've got to pass it. So I took the bar review course. The bar review course came in written materials, but I just didn't get the written materials. I got the audio materials too. I figured if it's coming in two ways, then maybe I have a better chance of passing the test. And every day I would go out on the patio. I came back from law school. I stayed with my parents so I could focus on my studies. Every day I'd go out on the patio if it was a nice day, inside if it wasn't, and I would study every day from morning to night studying to prepare for the bar exam. Week after week, it's a six-week course. Right about in the middle of the fifth week, I got behind. I don't know how I got behind, I got behind. And so I prayed that morning, I said, God, please help me get caught up today. I don't know how I've got behind. The day of judgment's a week and a half from now, and I need to pass that test, so please help me get caught up today. So I'm sitting out in the patio, and I hear the sound of a truck coming down the road. You see, out in the country where you grew up, I mean, there are only a few houses amongst hundreds of acres. You could tell it was coming down the road by the sound of their car. And see, because my friends had really bad cars, every car had a different sound. <laughs> so you could tell who it was coming down the road. Well, that day, I could tell it was a big truck, and it was the garbage truck that comes every week to pick up the garbage. And as soon as I thought of that, I thought, oh, no, David drives the garbage truck. And David had gone to school with me from second grade all the way through school. And let me tell you about David. You ever, you ever have one of those people in your life that they talk a lot, and all you gotta do is for 20 minutes, all you gotta do is just stand there and go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. See, you're laughing because it, it, you got those friends. And that was David. I knew 20 to 30 minutes I would stand there listening to David. Maybe that's why I didn't have many friends, okay? Maybe that's a lesson we need to learn today. So 20 to 30 minutes, I just stand there and listen to him talk, and I thought, I don't have 30 minutes today, Lord, please. Oh, my goodness, can you just make that truck go in a different direction? But the truck kept coming. So I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, here's my idea. I got all my stuff together, went off the patio, went in the kitchen door, went in the house, stood back from the picture window far back enough where he wouldn't see me, and I'm watching. Don't look at me like you've never done this. (laughs) But you look at me like you're holier than thou. I know you've done this. I know there's been somebody come to your door that you didn't want to see, and you've done this. Okay, why did that? And so I watch David, he comes in, picks up the garbage, he looks over towards the patio to see if I'm there, okay, and then he gets back in the truck and he leaves. I'm feeling really good because I just saved myself 30 minutes, I get my stuff, go back out to the patio, start studying again, I did get caught up that day, and I did pass the bar exam, which was good news. Two days later, I got a phone call. Phone call was from a friend, and the friend said, uh, Kenny, did you hear the news? I said, no, What news? He said, well, uh, David was swimming at a local pond, and a part of the pond that he forgot was shallow. He dove in, hit his head, broke his neck, and died. Do you know how fast your mind works? I think before the word died was out of that person's mouth. Through my head was, David wasn't saved. I went to the funeral home the next day. David's mom greeted me at the door. When you grew up in the country, everybody knows everybody. Small school. And everybody knows your mom and dad, and you know their mom and dad. His mom greeted me at the door. Kenny, thanks for coming today. David loved you. He knew, he knew you, he could always rely upon you to listen to him. Would you be a pallbearer tomorrow? I went home. I cried out to God, God, please forgive me. I promise you, if you'll forgive me today, I will never let anything I have to do, I will never let anything that's on my agenda, I will never let anything I have or own, I'll never let anything be more important than a person, if you'll forgive me. You see, I don't know if that would have been the day that I would have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with David, but here's the point, I didn't give David a chance, I didn't give the Holy Ghost a chance. And Jesus, I said, please forgive me. And you know what? God forgave me that day because the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, but that's been 40 years ago and I still have not forgiven myself. I think you can tell that it still affects me even today. I had to share that story with you because there's somebody in your life that needs to know Jesus. Somebody's part of your everyday life that needs to know Jesus. Lord, help us to understand the importance of people over things. Lord, don't let me choose pigs. I want to close with a story that's a good news story. I was at a mall not too long ago. Came out of the restaurant. I was with my wife. We're making our way towards the car, and I heard a voice in the parking lot. Hey, mister, can I talk to you for a moment? Now, you know what happens when you hear a voice in the parking lot and you're heading for your car and it says, Mr., I want to talk to you for a moment. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, see, you're smiling. It's happened to you. Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to ask you for money, right? And how easy it would have been for me not to hear that voice that day just to make my way to the car, get in like I didn't hear the voice. But you see, some years earlier I learned an important thing, that people are more important than pigs. So I turned around and said, yes, young man, how can I help you? He said, well, you see, my... Wife over there sitting on the curb and I saw a woman that I thought was going to have a baby any moment He says she's pregnant. I said that is obvious He said well, we're making our way and this was in this happened in Chattanooga, Tennessee He says we're making our way to Youngstown, Ohio so she can have the baby from uh, At a hospital where folks are from and yesterday everything we have had got stolen He says now look he says I've got $19 in my pocket I'm not asking you for a lot of money. What I'd like you to do is, is I found a, hotel, a motel near here that for $39 we can stay the night. I just need somewhere for my wife to spend the night because tomorrow her family is coming to get us to take us the rest of the way to Youngstown, Ohio so she can have her baby. Will you help me? I said, young man, I said, you stay right there. I said, I'm going to help you. I said, but I need to go talk to my wife. And so I went back to talk to Debbie. For those men in this audience that haven't learned how you need to talk to your wife about things before you do something, let me tell you, it makes for a happier household. Maybe if I get, back, get to come back in the future, I'll tell you how I learned that lesson. So I went to Debbie. I said, Debbie, here's the situation. I explained it to her. I said, here's what I want to do. I said, first of all, that hotel, that motel where the young man wants to stay, it's not a nice motel. It's not a place that you and I would stay. Let's, let's get him something that's someplace where you and I would stay. He said, I believe that when you help people. And I said, and we're going to drive them there. I mean, they don't need to be walking to to any motel. I said, we're going to drive them there, and and you're going to sit in the back with her. I'll sit up front with him. Is that okay? She said, you know me. I'm in. So I went back to the young man. I said, young man, I said, I'm going to help you today, and I'm going to share with you. You're going to keep that $19 in your pocket because you're going to need it for food, but I'm going to pay for a, a nicer motel because I want you to stay someplace nicer than the place that you're going to stay and my wife and I are going to drive you there. You should have seen the look on his eyes. He said, "You're going to drive us there?" I said, "Yes, because I believe when I help people, I help people." I said, "But there's one condition. What is that? Before I leave you today, you got to let me pray for you." You see, I found when people want money, they'll let you pray for them. You need you need to put that in the back of your mind. Remember that. He says, "Yes, sir." He said, "That's fine with me." So we get in the car. I'm up front sitting with him. She's in the back with my wife. We get to the motel. I pay the bill, and I come back out. I say, "Young man, it's now time for me to pray for you." He said, "That was the deal." I said, "Let me just ask you a question. Did you ever go to church as you grew up? Did you see? Did you see how I slid into that? It wasn't tough. It wasn't hard." I said, "Did you ever go to church as you grew up?" He said, "Yes, sir. I went to a Baptist church as I grew up, and I accepted Jesus Christ in my life when I was in high school. But let me tell you something. I've done a lot of bad things since then. I don't think I'm a Christian anymore." And I said, well, is there any reason today why we just can't make sure that your sins are forgiven and you're good with God? He said, no, there's no reason. And so there in the front seat of my car, a young man that said, hey, mister, can I talk to you for a moment, accepted Jesus Christ, because I learned the principle that people are more important than things. Hallelujah. (laughs) Lord, we love you. So then I turned to the back seat. I said, young lady, I said, Did you ever go to church as you grew up? She said, I never went to church. I don't know a thing about Jesus. I wouldn't even know how to accept Jesus. She says, but at Christmas, my mama gave me a Joyce Meyer Bible. And the moment she said that, I realized that I was an answer to a mother's prayer. That when she gave her daughter that Bible, she was hoping that somebody would come across the path of her daughter that knew Jesus. That there would be somebody that would be Jesus to her daughter. That somebody would be Jesus Christ so that she would get to know Him. Hallelujah. Because people are more important than things, more important than my schedule that day, more important than the money I spent that day. Lord, help us to realize that people are more important than things. Everybody's head bowed. I'm going to talk to two different groups of people today. The first group of people I'm going to talk to are people that don't know Jesus Christ. You've been thinking about accepting Jesus. Matter of fact, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you've thought about it. You come to church for that reason, because you feel drawn to the church. You feel drawn to Christians. Everybody's head's bowed. Nobody's looking around. Would you do me a favor? If you're thinking about accepting Jesus Christ, if it's been on your mind, if it's something that you've been contemplating in your spirit, will you just raise your hand so I can lock your face into my mind and I can pray for you this week? Is there anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus and would say Ken I've been thinking about it would you pray for me this week is there anybody this is important there's nothing thank you for that hand I see that hand you can put it down anybody else you see <laughs> the last day that I saw David I didn't realize that was the last day I was gonna see David And if you're here today and don't know Jesus I don't want this to be the last day that you have a chance to accept Him and you don't do it. Is there anybody else that says, "Ken, pray for me this week"? Just raise your hand. I just take a moment. Church, be praying. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. I can see you put it down. Keep, keep praying, church. Thank you. Anybody else that doesn't know Jesus has been thinking about it? Okay, I see it. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, church. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Keep praying. You see. I talked to somebody sometime that was praying in a service like this, and they said, oh, they really wanted to accept Jesus, but they also had that other side of them that said, no, I don't want to do it. Anybody else? You've been thinking about it. Raise your hands. Okay, everybody, raise your heads. Folks, there were about seven, eight people that raised their hands. Can I ask you something, those of you that are Christians? Some of you may have got saved in church. Do you remember the day that you got saved, you're sitting there in the pew and you're thinking, man, I really need to be prayed for, I really need to accept Jesus Christ, but that aisle is a mile long and everybody's going to be looking at me. Do you remember that? Do you remember how you just wanted to stay there where you were seated? You really didn't want to come up, you didn't want to walk up in front of people? But let me ask you something, are you glad you took the walk? You see, I can't walk for you. If I could walk up front and accept Jesus Christ for you, I'd walk that aisle a hundred times. But there's somebody that did walk for you. His name is Jesus. He walked to Mount Calvary. He walked to a place where he died for your sins. A miserable death I can't even imagine because you were important to him. More important than his life. More important than the pain. So no, I can't walk for you, but there's something I can do. I'm going to ask you, for those of you raise your hand, If you'll stand up and you'll say yeah I can I want to come up I'm gonna come up front and accept Jesus Christ I can come back to you and I can walk up with you you see that's what the church is about it's about walking with you so I can't walk for you but I can walk with you and I know that pastor Mike Sainz will stand right here with me and that he'll walk back and he'll walk up with you too and so is there anybody here that says Ken y'all raise my hand and I don't want to leave this building today without knowing that everything is right with me and Jesus Christ those that raise your hand. If you'll just stand up, I'll come and get you, and then Mike Saines will go and get the next one, and we'll walk up with you. All you got to do is stand up. Let's do it. Okay, Pastor, Let's, you get that one. Sister, help me out.